on, turn it up. Team Fresh. Welcome, Fresh at Five. We are talking animals. We're talking understanding animals. We're talking animal whispering. And we're hanging out right now with Amelia Kincaid. Amelia, welcome. Hey, welcome. A quick Amelia Kincaid 101. Tell us about yourself. Oh, my goodness. In 30 seconds, how would you sell yourself? You're at a bar. You met a guy. And you feel like that's the tiger I need to take home. (laughs) Oh, no. In 30 seconds, how would you sell yourself to him? Oh, my goodness. I could say I have five books out about animal communication that are published all over the world. Okay, let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> did it work? Uh, I, I sold. How sold. did I do? You did well. Okay. You did well. Taming tigers is one of my specialties, baby, so you better jump so, back. So I'm told. Jump back, Jack. <laughs> when did you realize that you have a connection with animals? Well, this started for me in my mid-20s, which yeah. was, of course, about, you know, five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now that I'm in my late 20s. Uh, no, seriously, it's... It started with me because I took a workshop that was similar to what I now teach. I've been expounding on that for the last 15 years. And I discovered quite suddenly that I could go into the mind of a dog and see out her eyes. How did you you figure that out, though? Well, I was taking a seminar because there was a woman who had come to Los Angeles to work with my veterinarian who could troubleshoot and solve problems that no one else could solve. And now I teach vets. I have a lot of doctors that come to me, which is just an incredible privilege. And uh, they want to know if a problem is a psychological problem or a medical problem because Mm -hmm. oftentimes things have the same symptoms. You know, your your dog could be grieving and it would have the same symptoms as if he had stomach cancer all of a sudden the dog won't eat but I discovered it in a workshop and I had been an actress and a dancer Mm. and I think the ability to communicate without words came from a lifetime of ballet and an ability to go into an animal's mind and and try to discover what is this animal thinking what is he feeling what does he need it came from a lot of acting training do animals know the people that can understand them. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if that I, makes I mean, sense asking this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. After I, uh, after I teach here in Johannesburg, I'm going to be leading a safari in Zambia. Okay. It'll be the third time that I've gone up into Zambia. Yeah. The lions wait for my truck. Are you for real? The leopards not only wait for my truck. The last time the leopard mommy brought me her babies, she said, "Come back when everybody else is gone." Get out of here. Which we did. Wow. Her two cubs dropped from a tree in front of my truck, and then she started calling her husband. And all of a sudden, I had the leopard mother, father, and two babies coming up to my truck. So they know me. Yeah. They know my students. They know people that are going to be sending waves of love. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to have people take you seriously when you say... I can communicate with animals. Well, not at all. Yeah. The the world has changed dramatically in the last couple of decades. Mm. And you would think that people would say, oh, you're crazy. I don't believe in that. But as soon as they find out what I do, they say, oh, well, my cat won't eat or my horse is sick. My dog's missing. I mean, instantly, instantly people want my help. No one ever says, I don't believe in that. Everybody has their magical story. Yeah. 
Queen Elizabeth II called you to come and uh, do some work with her horses. Tell us about that. That was probably the most nerve-wracking moment of my life. Yeah. And also one of the most rewarding. I, the head of the military walked me through the horses in Buckingham Palace, yeah. which I had no way of knowing ever got out of Buckingham Palace. And they took me up to one of the horses who was depressed. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't tell me anything about the horse. He just said, yeah. oh, this one, something's wrong with this horse. What's wrong with this horse? Yeah. And I tuned into them, which is what I teach trying to understand what are the pictures in your mind what are you feeling so you can teach me how to understand my dog yes what you're saying yes i can help you Mm -hmm. i can help you understand your dog okay so i asked this horse through a series of communication techniques that i teach yeah what's going on with you and i got a huge wave of sadness was he, hung, was he hung like a human? <laughs> Never depress a horse? <laughs> no. No, I don't know. Are, are, are we comparing horses to you? If you're going to be the template that we're comparing things to, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, stop it. Yeah. So, so the horse So, said, the horse said that he was missing another horse that used to stand next to him. Yeah. That was a young bay, which is a brown color. Mm-hmm. That the one standing next to him on his right-hand side got moved up to Prince Charles' hunting facility, was running, running through green fields. Yeah. Now, I didn't know Prince Charles had a hunting facility. Yeah. I, I just saw this other horse running through green fields, getting out of Buckingham Palace. The horse I was speaking to was very upset about it. Yeah. Uh, this horse gave me the information that he was leading the Queen's Parade that coming Saturday. Mm. Crazy as it sounds, I hear the name Bernard. I miss Bernard. Yeah. I told all this to the assistant adjutant, the head of the military. He said there was a horse standing next to this horse named Bernard. Wow. Who got shipped out of Buckingham Palace up to Prince Charles hunting facility. Mm. Then I got to go up to Prince Charles hunting facility, meet Bernard, get him back to Buckingham Palace so that the two horses were happily reunited and come to find out this horse that I was speaking to was leading the Queen's Jubilee Parade. Their practice was on Saturday. Mm. She was the Queen's favorite horse. Yeah. So in that circumstance, because I now work with the Olympic show team, yeah. it could be, it could have been a back problem. Yeah. It could have been a, a medical problem. It could have been a problem with his hooves. It could have been a, a virus. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was an emotional problem do human beings treat animal grief as seriously as they should no no we we don't because I remember as a kid we lost a dog and after that the dog we had remaining was miserable for the rest of its life oh. but I was a kid yeah. but you can tell that no man you yeah. know something's amiss here right. do we treat animal grief as seriously as we should no of course not so how do we, we don't change take, that? We don't take their their emotions seriously at yeah. all. I mean, none of their emotions. Yeah. I mean, when I, I was working with the Olympic show t- horse, who, when I went in and he had seen vets, you know, they're flying in vets from all over the world to see this magnificent horse. It was seven weeks before the Olympics. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the top horse won't perform. And I asked him what was going on. He said he was he wanted a girlfriend. Yeah. All right. Now that that produced peals of laughter. Mm. Like how how hilarious is that? That a horse actually has feelings. Yeah. Not only did the richest man in France, who owns this horse, get a girlfriend for that horse, the female is now winning everything. Yeah. Yeah. But he immediately went back to winning everything. 
as soon as his thoughts and feelings were heard mm-hmm. and taken seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to ask, it might be a silly question, but have you, like, communicated with the rhino in Africa? And are they depressed, like, about, you know, rhino poaching and all? It's a serious problem. It's, so. not, it's not a silly question at all. The last, one of the last times I was here... In fact, here, can we hold that thought and we'll come back to, to the rhino answer after this? Sure.